Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Soto Mojo Podcast. It has been way too long since we have talked. I am Colby Patnode, and I'm joined, as always, by Ty Gonzalez. Ty, how are you doing today? I'm very excited today to, uh, to talk a lot about Mariner baseball. Uh, a lot, of, lot going on, a lot to be excited about, ready to get going. Let's do this. Right. It, it has been a while. It's been, what, uh, almost three weeks since we've talked? You had the... Uh, the podcast with uh, Larry Stone two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and then we uh, we skipped last week. Um, you know, holidays and uh, we skipped the last two weeks really with holidays and all that stuff. And honestly, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. But uh, man, has that quickly changed? Um, so obviously, we're going to get to the the big news, the Yusei Kikuchi signing and all that stuff in a minute. But before we do, we actually haven't talked about the Domingo Santana trade. Uh, on the podcast, we've written about it um, on the website, sotomojo.com, uh, but we haven't talked it out. So uh, Ty, I, I think when this first came down, you and I were, I don't want to say on opposite sides, but we kind of saw the trade differently. So why don't you walk us through the Domingo Santana trade and what you thought about it or what you think yeah. about it now? Yeah, well, first off, you know, the, I know a lot of people say this, but I'm pretty sure Jerry DePoto makes trades uh uh, on purpose when I'm out, uh, <laughs> I was in, uh, uh, I went to go see, uh, the new Spider-Man movie with my wife and I, and I told her, I was like, I bet Jerry made a trade while we were in here. And sure enough, we get <laughs> home and all of a sudden I see Ben Gamble's been traded to the Brewers for Domingo Santana. Uh, so yeah, yeah uh, real, real fast. That, that's funny. You mentioned that because it happened on Friday, uh, the 21st. And the reason I know that is because I was driving to Seattle because I'm going, I went to the Seahawks game against the Chiefs. Um, it's kind of a Christmas gift. And, of course, we get up to North Bend, and my phone's blowing up, and I'm like, I, I don't know what's happening. Uh, you know. And I look down, and there's the trade. And, of course, I'm in North Bend. I'm two hours away from you know where I'm going. An hour away with the traffic from where I'm going, and then we got to check into the hotel. And I'm sitting there like, I need information. I and so of course you're you're at the movies. I'm traveling, and we're trying to figure out how to get this article up so that it doesn't look like we're falling asleep at the wheel. So yeah, I, I agree. And by the way, uh, when Jerry made his crazy uh, Denard Span and Alex Colomay trade, I was also in North Bend when I found out, and I was yep. heading to the the coast of Washington to head to Pacific Beach. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm starting. I'm to head to North Bend. <laughs> yeah, that's. I guess that's what. I guess that's all we had. Oh, and you know what? Actually, I do specifically remember one more trade that was made while I was in North Bend. Uh, remember when we traded like the Pat Vinatendi and the like Archimedes Caminero trade that happened uh, yeah. on the same day? Yep. Yeah, I was in North Bend when I found out about that. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, back to Santana or Gamble for Santana. Yeah, um, Santana. Uh, well, uh, first I'll talk about Ben Gamble. Uh, clearly the Mariners just had no interest in, in, um, giving him more playing time for some reason. I thought this would, would be kind of a year to, to finally allow him to play, uh, regularly out in left field, but, uh, um, they, they didn't want to do that. And they, they saw an opportunity here, uh, to acquire a player that they believe is, uh, can have a lot more impact and perhaps build, uh, you know, significantly more value than Gamble ever would. And that's completely true. And we'll, we'll get into that in a second, but I also don't really understand what the brewers are doing here. Um, 
I thought, you know, like if they if they were going to trade Santana, it could have been more so for another bullpen piece or something that they could use more than outfield. They have a couple of uh, outfield prospects ready to come up. They obviously have that, you know, all-star outfield already with Braun, Kane, and, and Yelich. So not really sure why they acquired Gamble. I know he's more depth, but trading Santana for Gamble was kind of odd. Uh, there's also Noah Zavallis, who's going from the Mariners to the Brewers, but whatever. Um, but yeah, just looking at Santana, uh, you know, coming off of uh, 2018 down year, I believe he dealt with uh, some sort of uh, injury uh, issue at some point in the season. Um, but, you know, obviously also just blocked by the amazing outfield that they built there. Mm-hmm. Um Plus, you know, they had guys like Keon Broxton. Um, <clears throat> he still, even though it was it was a down year for him, and, you know, he, he had uh, a high strikeout rate, 32.8%. You know, he still slashed 265, 328, 412. Uh, it's not bad um, in, a, in an 85 games. But really what stands out is his 2017 season. That's when he broke out, played 151 games for the Brewers, uh, slash 278, 371, 505, 30 home runs. Uh, and the Mariners believe that they um, can get that out of him with more playing time. Um, you're losing a lot of defense from him. Uh, or not a lot, because Gamble was a little bit, uh, uh, yep. I wouldn't say overrated, but he wasn't, you know, fantastic out uh, left you, field you, you know who ben gamble is yeah when you played baseball was there a kid who like to the parents watching he would make all these spectacular plays but you you were like that's a routine ball you just have to sit there and catch it right because uh, I, I specifically remember playing with a kid who would do that all the time and just like oh he's making all these amazing no he's not he doesn't know where the ball is and at the last second he's having to dive to catch it that's kind <laughs> of ben gamble i mean yes and so uh, Santana, he's probably he's a you know he's serviceable out there. He uh, he's like that Denard Span type where yeah. he's not atrocious, but he's not good either. Yeah. Um, he's just like slightly below average, you know. Um, but yeah, what you know what they're hoping for right now uh, with with Santana is that he gets back on the horse. Uh, the power numbers start to rise, um, and you know, obviously, he'll need a lot of playing time uh, because he was going back and forth with AAA. He played 55 games in AAA, 85 at the MLB level. There was just a lot of inconsistency for Santana last year, um, and uh, you know, that can do a lot to a to a player's psyche and all that. But yeah, if Santana, if Santana gets back to what he did in 2017, that's uh, that's a really good player, and. Um, that's either someone that, you know, the Mariners would uh, want to keep, you know, for the long haul or, um, you know, uh, look to, to trade at some point during the season. Um, but either way, I think it's a I think it's a home run for the Mariners. Um, I really I really don't see a, a lot of um, a lot of. Uh, downside to it really i you know i i wrote an article but it was more just to play devil's advocate about you know if there were negatives in the deal but really it's it's a great deal for the mariners i and um 
Yeah, I'm 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 very excited about this deal. I think it's one of uh, one of the uh, deals that will fly under the radar uh, along with um, the uh, the Malik Smith deal and the Omar Narvaez deal as uh, as trades that really really help this ball club uh, this year and in the future. Whether that be you know what they bring back in trades or if they stick with the team going into uh, you know their set window of contention. Yeah, it's. Um, I think the only really downside um, that Mariner fans could point um, in this trade is that they gave up one extra year of club control. Right. Um, Gamble had four years of club control. Uh, Santana only has three. Um, so I, I get why on the surface that was kind of odd, but um, interesting. Interestingly enough, uh, Santana is actually about eighty days younger than Ben Gamble, so that's kind of weird. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, they're both, you know, 26 Gamble's a fourth outfielder. Certainly that's what the Mariners saw him as. They never gave him a shot. Um, I don't want to say they never gave him a shot and he had, you know, 500 at bats in 2017. Um, right. but you know, he's just, he's kind of a slasher. He'll hit some doubles some triples. He's a really fun player. Um, yeah. I don't want to sit here and say that, you know, the Mariners gave up nothing for Santana. Mm-hmm. Because I really like Ben Gamble. He's one of my favorite players the last couple of years. Um, you know, really fun, um, really fun guy to watch. But there, there's really no denying that Domingo Santana is a significantly better piece than uh, Ben Gamble. Um, you know, you look at I'm looking at his baseball references uh, projected totals um, for 2019, and they only have him getting uh, 378 plate appearances, um, which is low. Uh, but part of honestly, that I think that's pretty generous, <laughs> given their situation out there. No, Santana has 378 plate appearances. Oh, I thought you were talking yeah, about yeah, Gamble. Yeah, yeah nope. my bad. Although, for the record, their uh, projection of 402 plate appearances for Ben Gamble is absurd. Um, mm. So, but anyways, in those 378, they have him going 265, 347, 455, 14 home runs, uh, six stolen bases. So, I mean, if you project that to 500, that's, what, 20 home runs, give or take, uh, you know, 8 to 10 steals and a really solid slash line, 800 OPS. Um, and that might be a little low on Santana. Now, the thing about Domingo Santana is, is that he's going to strike out. Um, right. That That's always going to be a part of his game. Even in 2017, which was his real breakout year, he struck out 178 times. Yeah. Like, but, but if with you're that, getting on base, if you're getting on base, it's fine. Exactly. Yeah. With that, he uh, his on base percentage in 2017 was uh, 371, mm-hmm. and he's a career 349 on base guy. So yes, he swings and misses, but he does take a fair amount of walks. Um, you know, he's going to put the ball in play, probably about the average amount. I mean, uh, like he's he strikes a lot, but you know, the batting average isn't terrible. That's something you're looking at. Typically, with a guy who strikes out close to 200 times, you're thinking, what, a 200 batting average? Uh, He's going to hit 260-ish. He's going to, you know, get on base, um, you know, 35% 35 of the time, give or take. He's got 25 to 30 home run power. He can also steal bases. Um, He had 15 stolen bases in uh, 2017. Um, And while Ben Gamble is probably faster, um, just raw speed-wise, he never really developed into a great base stealer. Um, 
and he was an atrocious base runner. And that was another thing that I wanted to talk about with Santana. Uh, he had a, po- a positive uh, base running uh, grade uh, from uh, from uh, Fangraphs in 2017, which is really like his one full season uh, yeah. with a 3.2. That's good. That's uh, from Ben Gamble to that. That's really good. Yep, it is. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I think the absolute like low end of Domingo Santana is still better than what is probably the high end of Ben Gamble. Um, and like you mentioned, if Santana hits, um, maybe the Mariners can accelerate the timeline by a year and you get him for 2020 and 2021. Um, he's also, like you said, he's only 26, so he won't be a free agent until he's 28. Um, so you know, it's uh, there's a possibility that the Mariners see him as part of their future. Maybe they resign him, maybe they don't. Um, but at yeah, the end they of the day, extend him. yeah, at the end of the day, though, whatever the Mariners decide to do, they will get more out of Domingo Santana for three years than they would for Ben Gamble with four. Um, mm. and that's whether or not they trade him or they keep him for just the three years or they extend him. Uh, Domingo Santana is just a more valuable player than Ben Gamble. Um, yeah. So like you said, there's just like no downside to this. Um, so Santana's probably going to be your left fielder. And where do you think he hits? Fifth? Sixth? Yeah. I mean, I, I would even uh, be okay with him hitting towards the top of the lineup. Um, maybe fourth? And maybe that. I was even thinking maybe something like two. Um, just, you know, depending on, on what they do, uh, also depending on what their plan is with Hanniger, is Hanniger going to be right. the, uh, the leadoff guy again? Um, Alex Smith. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like if Hanniger is still the leadoff guy. I think he really did well in that role. Um, but also that's assuming that he's still with the team by that point. Um, right. Which, you know, you never know. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, I don't want to get off into that today. But I yeah, I think real, real fast. I think you said on Twitter the other night. Would you say seventy thirty? He stays. Yeah, yeah. I was at sixty five thirty five. So yeah, we're yeah. same same place. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, so I you know I I like Santana towards the top of the lineup. I think he's even good for you know like you said fifth, uh, even like seventh or eighth, something like that could be you know. Uh, something they play around with. They, they, there's a lot of options with Santana. I think he fits um, well throughout throughout a lineup, especially given his speed and uh, you know his uh, his ability to um, to uh, work well on the base paths. So, right. yeah. Uh, one one last thing on Santana, I do want to point out: um, the guy does not have massive splits, um, which is nice. Um, you know, against right-handed pitchers in his career, he's 259, 344, 450. Against lefties, 264, 356, 472. Um, so, yeah, a little better against lefties like you would expect. Um, but, yeah, overall, he's just a solid hitter all the way around. Um, you know, I could see him hit as high as number two. I could see him go maybe six, depending on how service wants to uh, handle the handedness and all that stuff. But uh, I'm excited to watch Santana. I think that's that's a great pickup. And if you're looking at just a purely like value for value swap, that's probably the best trade the Mariners have made this offseason. Right. Yeah. Uh, in terms of impact, we'll see. But uh, I think that's probably enough about uh, Santana. I don't think you guys are here to uh, 
I don't think you're here to listen to us talk about Santana. I think you'd much rather we get in, get into the uh, the major news that broke on New Year's Eve, uh, became official yesterday. A uh, press conference was held today, and that is that the Seattle Mariners have landed Yusei Kikuchi, the biggest import from Japan this offseason. Ty, this is something you and I have been wanting uh, since late October. Uh, mm-hmm. He was in our he was in our offseason plan. We uh, acquired him in the uh, in the offseason sim. You know, we've spent how many minutes on this podcast saying he's the only big name free agent that really makes sense for Seattle. Well, yep. now he's here and I'm going to assume you're pretty excited about this. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you saw my reaction in the in our group chat uh, when the news came through. I, uh, but of course, as always, Jerry wanted to do this while I'm out. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think uh, a lot of people were out, man. He did it on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this guy, this guy, man. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I yeah, I'm ecstatic. Uh, I I love this deal. Um, you know, I'm surprised he's making the money that he he's getting, um, but I'm fine with it. It's you know he he has the potential to be a really good pitcher for this team um, for a long time, and uh, you know the, the, I I'm, I'll let you get into you know how kind of complicated the the deal is, um, but you know they have. You know the ability to control him through 2025. Um, you know that gives him more time to develop and adjust, and and um, yeah, he's <laughs> this is a this is a really really fun deal. I, I you know I I just finished watching his uh, his press conference um, from uh, from earlier this morning, and he's a he's a fun guy, and. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I've been seeing a lot about, you know, why would the Mariners want Kikuchi and why would Kikuchi want the Mariners? You know, from the Mariners standpoint, it's very simple. Uh, this deal that they've given him the uh, four years basically guaranteed. Well, it's more like three, but you would assume that uh, Kikuchi would pick up that player option if they don't extend him. Mm-hmm. Um you know, to to get him for four years, that reaffirms uh, that they are uh, committed to to competing by twenty twenty one. And for Kikuchi, you know, he he may not be uh, he he will likely never never reach that ace uh, status that he he's had over the last two years in Japan, but he has the tools to be. I, I really don't view him as as I don't really view his floor as anything less than a three. Mm-hmm. Like I I really think that even if he bottoms out, he's going to be a an average three in most rotations. Um, and I think his ceiling is as high as a two. I just don't see him as a as a headliner. But to have to have that kind of pitcher and to have um such a, a dominant presence in the middle of your rotation, especially when you know you think about what the rotation could be in the next couple of years with Logan Gilbert and Justin Sheff- Justice Sheffield and, and Justin Dunn, 
et cetera, you know, on the way. And Marco Gonzalez also already there. That's very exciting. And, uh, yeah, it makes a ton of sense for the Mariners to go out and do this. And, um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited about that. And as for Kikuchi, uh, you know, he, he's going into a situation here where uh, the Mariners are rebuilding. They really don't, uh, you know, they they really, you know, are, are taking a step back. And even though it's a short rebuild, they, they, they have no intention of competing in 2019. There's no pressure on Kikuchi to come in and perform and be that guy, especially now with James Paxson gone. You know, there's no pressure on him to come in and just be the guy. Um, and that allows him to, to just, you know, step back and, and, and adjust, uh, to the lifestyle of the, of the MLB and also the, um, you know, just the, 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 you know, higher level of difficulty that the MLB proposes. And, uh, you know, he's going to be pitching, uh, you know, for, for, you know, 30 starts, hopefully. And, uh, you know, the, the Mariners, they talked about, uh, in their press conference, uh, Jerry DePoto mentioned that, you know, they're, they're going to kind of do a, a similar program for, for Kikuchi, like they did with, with, uh, Marco Gonzalez last year. He'll be kind of on an innings count where, but they're going to do it in a creative way where they would like to get him to 30 starts, but also, you know, every fifth or sixth start, uh, he'll only go about one inning, you know, 30 pitches, something like that. Um, and I think that's fine. And, and they don't, you know, and, and that's perfect for him because they don't need him to, to win this year. They just need him to develop and adjust. And, uh, it's a perfect situation for him because if he was to, to go to a team like the Dodgers or the angels or the A's, you know, these other teams that he was reportedly talking to, um, they would expect him to to compete at a high level this year, um, and I don't think that's that's beneficial to to him. Uh, especially, you know, Kikuchi has been dealing with some shoulder uh, issues throughout his career, um, so you don't want to push it with him uh, until you really figure it out. And, and and once he starts to adjust to to the grind that an MLB season is. Um, so yeah, I, I I think it's a really a perfect fit, um, and even Kikuchi said, you know, the, the Mariners are the team that needed him the most, and that's why he picked them. And, and uh, I I totally agree with that. I, I you know you and I have have thought for the longest time that he was the perfect fit for them, uh, and um, yeah, I think we we saw that come to fruition. And <laughs> I'm you know I I kind of want to pat ourselves on the back here because. Uh, yeah, we, you know, this this has been something we've been talking about for a long time, and it just kind of happened. And uh, yeah, it's the that was that was pretty fun. Yeah, you know, we reported pretty early in December that the Mariners were, you know, legitimate contenders for Yusei Kikuchi, and we got a lot of blowback on that, um, mainly under the idea that why would he pick the Mariners if they're going to rebuild, or why would the Mariners want him if they're going to rebuild? And, you know, we kept hammering away at that point. He's 27 years old, and he's going to be here. He's probably going to get a six-year deal, give or take. Um, I think most of the projection, most of the estimates had him at six years, what, $45, 50000000 million? Right. Well, yeah. 
you blew that out of the water, but it literally does not matter if you're the Mariners. Um, so yeah, you know, this is something that we've wanted for a, uh, really since the off season began, we did an entire breakdown about, uh, Kikuchi and kind of his stuff and what type of pitcher he is back on November 2nd. So, I mean, the world series had just wrapped up and we, we were already doing work on him. Um, so yeah, it's really exciting time for us. I think it's an exciting time for Mariner fans. Um, you know, the whole notion of why would why would he pick Seattle? That's so stupid. I saw yeah. all this like Seattle's not a desirable place to play and live. Are you kidding? Seattle's a world class city. All right, the Mariners obviously don't have trouble spending money. They just gave Kikuchi as much as a hundred nine million dollars. Um, you know. They have a again world class city, world class facility. They have the resources, and for Kikuchi, a guy who, it like it's a culture shock, guys. If I picked you up and dropped you off in the middle of Japan right now, how do you think you would do? I mean, you'd probably work through it. You'd probably survive, but it wouldn't. It's not like you'd just be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to do exactly what I do here. That's not how it works, <laughs> you know. So it's a huge culture shock. So he goes to a place that has a large Asian community in Seattle. Um, you know, it's the closest spot to Japan and all of major league baseball. Uh, and they just, it seems like they really just sold him on this idea of we're going to ease you into American baseball and the American style and all that stuff. And you get to basically, you get a free year out of this where you don't, we're not expecting really anything major from you. We're going to do everything we can to make you feel comfortable before we jump in here. And like you said, that's, that's not something the A's can offer you. That's not something even the Giants can offer you because the Giants aren't rebuilding. I don't know why, but they're not going to. Um, so, you know, it's just one of those things where it's uh, it's just a good fit for both sides. Um, the Mariners really sold him on this rebuild, and it's great that he's here. Um, so I, I really I don't understand. I never understood this whole, well, the Mariners aren't going to make sense for him. Yeah. They always did, and clearly they were always serious contenders because, hey, guess what he did today? He put on a Mariner's cap and a uniform. Like, okay, I, I think we can classify that as serious. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool to see that they they grabbed him. I know a lot of people in the national media, and I think this is coloring a lot of people's opinion here in Seattle. Uh, well, this is just so weird because, you know, the Mariners are rebuilding, and the problem with that is that they don't, the national media can't wrap their heads around this idea of a quick rebuild, um, which is fine, which makes sense because you look at most rebuilds, they're five to seven years minimum. Mm-hmm. The Mariners have said, we're going to go get this done in at least, it's going to take maybe one year, probably two. Um, and now you start kind of piecing together this group of, you know, mid twenties guys like Malik Smith, Omar Nervaez, Mitch Haniger, Yusei Kikuchi, uh, Marco Gonzalez. I, you start to piece this all together, along with what they've brought in into their farm system, most of which is relatively close to the major leagues, if not major league ready. And it's not hard to look at this and say, hey, you know what? I think maybe by 2020, Seattle could be... I, I don't know. Contenders is probably too strong a word, but they they could be on the out just on the fringes of contention, uh, mm-hmm. especially in the American League where everybody is still so bad. I right. mean, who in the well, American I think, League? I think, yeah, yeah, like even even this year, 
even this year, you know, their their roster isn't bad. It really no. isn't. And no. I could legitimately see them in the middle of a wild card race by August. Right. Uh, I, I think by the middle, you mean like they're like probably they're like, like behind like, two or three teams. Yeah, and they're like five or six games back and they're not really yeah. in it, but they're not exactly out of it. Right. Uh, yeah, and that kind of goes to my point that I was going to make is that like how many teams in the American League can you say right now definitively are better than the Seattle Mariners? Yankees, Red Sox, Astros, Indians, Rays. Rays. I wouldn't I wouldn't say the Indians right now. Maybe Oakland. I I mean maybe yeah. maybe okay. LA or Minnesota. Yeah. No, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so I mean <laughs> Yeah. You could legitimately make the case right now. And there's huge holes in the bullpen, and I understand that. But Jerry DePoto has been pretty clear that they're going to go fix that in free agency. They're going to go get guys. Um, I think he said last night that the closer for the Mariners probably isn't on the roster right now. Yeah, um, They're, they're going to address that and all that. But right now, about, I don't know, 60% of the way through the offseason, the Mariners still might have a top seven or eight roster in the American League. And that, that's crazy. But yeah. It, it's kind of factual, so. Well, yeah, yeah, and that's the thing because a lot of these um, these teams have opted for a you know a traditional rebuild, a five year you know six year plan. You know, teams like uh, the Orioles uh, and even you know teams like the White Sox. You know, they're they're kind of starting to come to the end um, of uh, of their rebuilding process, but. You know, the, there, there is, yeah, there isn't a lot of competition right now. You know, you look at teams that just recently competed and are now, you know, trying to turn the corner and, uh, and you know, try to complete, you know, more of a short rebuild. You look at, at a team like the Blue Jays that are kind of doing a similar uh, uh, thing to what the what the Mariners are attempting to do right now. You know, the Blue Jays are probably going to try to compete next year, uh, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's not uh, there. There isn't a lot of competition right now, and of course that will change by the time that the Mariners try to compete. But you also have to sure. take into consideration that uh, you know the Astros are probably not going to be as good by then. Um, you know, it does seem like their window is starting to close. I've had angry Astro fans hit me up on Twitter about that all the time, but it, your ball club isn't going to get Bryce Harper deal with it uh you know and and they're not the red Sox will get older the yankees will have to start paying their young guys yeah 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 yeah. you think about yeah like and especially like yeah you look at the the astros they're gonna have to pay springer they're gonna have to pay bregman they're gonna have to pay correa they're gonna have to pay caracol um verlander is going to retire probably you know uh you know he's a free agent this year i bet he probably only pitches one or two more years and it probably won't be for the Astros. I don't know. We'll see. You know, but you're gonna lose the, Colin McHugh. You're gonna lose, you know, Chris Davinsky. You're there's just yeah. yeah. In two years, the American League will look significantly different. But let, yeah. let me ask you this: for 2019, all right, on uh-huh. a scale of one to ten, one being like I am predicting it, put it on the board, and ten being like you're absolutely crazy. On a scale of one to ten, if I told you that the Seattle Mariners would finish eighty-one and eighty-one in twenty nineteen, where would you put that on the scale? Crazy, five hundred ball club for twenty nineteen, like a two. Like yeah, it's, it's, 
Yeah. I'd, I'd probably say like a four or a five. Like it's it's probably a little opt. I think five's probably like, yeah, you're optimistic, but it could happen. I honestly don't think that's very optimistic. I think, I think that they, I think their ceiling is 85 wins. I really do. I I think that this offense is uh, is that good, and I think okay. that just if real, their rotation what's for eighty five eighty five wins, just real fast, you're saying that's their ceiling. I'm assuming you're counting guys like Kyle Seager, D Gordon to have like bounce back years to what they normally are, and well, Jay that, Bruce yeah. and Swarzak yeah. and all those guys kind of bounce back to their like norm. That and also the rotation pitches as right. well as it did last year, you know, above expectations. Right, right. Um, you know, Marco Gonzalez stays on track. Kikuchi um, translates well uh, to the MLB, you know, out of the gate. Uh, you know, LeBlanc uh, is serviceable. Um, you know, I don't think Mike Leak will be a part of the equation as soon as next month. <laughs> but, you know, we'll we'll see on that front. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, I think like, yeah, if everything goes right, they're like an 85 win team and that, and that's if everything goes right. So I don't think they're a playoff team, but, uh, you know, by any means, um, but I also don't think that they're that bad, but I really, I really do believe in this offense. I think this offense is really strong. Honestly, the, the lineup, because Really, I, I just, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that uh, D. Gordon and Kyle Seeger and, you know, the names that you mentioned are, are, are necessarily going to have good years. But I just can't imagine that they're any worse than they were last year. Um, and I feel like there's really only one way to go but up. <laughs> you know, so... Right. uh or no other way to go but up. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, and then you, you know, you take into account guys like Santana and then yep. Arvaez, and obviously you got Mitch Haniger, who, you know, we'll see if he takes another step here. This is this is an interesting year for Mitch Haniger uh, if he stays with the team because we'll see if if last year is as good as he'll ever get. And if he regresses or now that he's kind of the face of the Mariners, which is weird to say now that he's kind of that guy, does he take that step and become this superstar and stay at that level that he played at last year uh, or even uh, exceed that, which, you know, it's kind of crazy to say, but you know, it's possible if, especially if, uh, if he hits the way that he did once he transitioned to the, um, to the leadoff spot, that's a really good player, man. <laughs> like, I mean, the guy uh, finished 10th in MVP voting last year. So, I yeah. Mean. yeah. So I, you know, it's, it, that's a very interesting, uh, player this year is to see if he, if he regresses or if he stays at that level or even exceeds it, which, you know, uh, that's, that's going to be a big thing for for not just now, but also their future. Whether whether they turn that into something that they trade, or you know something that they they continue to they continue to carry. Um, but yeah, and then you know, and then you look at guys like Malik Smith who just get on base and 
keep things going. And, you know, a lot of people want to compare Malik Smith to, to D Gordon. That's not the same thing. Malik Smith at least gets on base. <laughs> like, and he yeah. actually knows how to take a pitch every now and then. <laughs> but, you know, he doesn't swing at every second pitch that he sees. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I really, you know, I don't, I rather that they're not good <laughs> because I'd rather get a higher pick next year. But um, I think that they have the capacity to be a, a respectable ball club. And then, yeah, and then you think about um, some of the younger guys that are going to come up, you know, throughout the year. Uh, you know, we're going to see Justice Sheffield. We're going to see J.P. Crawford. We're going to see Eric Swanson and probably Justin Dunn. And, you know, obviously you got Kikuchi coming in now. And, and uh, Kyle Lewis will probably come up at some point. And Evan White will probably come up in September. Um, this this could be really, really a fun year. And, uh, and, you know, who knows what they'll do with Encarnacion. Uh, I I highly doubt that he he will be a a Mariner come spring training, um. So you know that gives uh, Vogelback an opportunity to play. You know Jay Bruce will probably play first base to start. Uh, if that if Encarnacion goes, but um, yeah, you know maybe maybe Vogelback finally gets it together with more opportunity. Um, that could be that could be really huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's a lot of opportunity here this year, right? And, and I, I don't really care what they do this year. I I don't care about wins and losses and all that. I just want to see development. I want to see growth. I want to see something promising uh, for the future and something that um, builds my confidence in what in their plan and Jerry DePoto and, and Scott Service's plan and just that whole front office and, and the organization as a whole. I want to see something that makes me feel good about what they're what they're doing. And I like what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. But I need to actually see it work. Right. And I, I think that's fair. I think the part where I run into trouble and um not me personally, but people who reach out to me on uh, on Twitter and whatnot, is this whole idea that it can't work because it's the Mariners doing it. That is mm-hmm. such a load of BS. I can't. I I just have no patience for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I just I hate that. It's the same thing. Well, you can't sign. The Mariners shouldn't sign free agents. They always come here and suck. Nelson Cruz. All right. Robinson yep. Cano. They worked out just fine, all right? Mm-hmm. Ichiro was a free agent, by the way. That yeah. worked out just fine. So don't give me that BS, oh, you can't sign a free agent, they always suck here. Oh, don't trade for a guy from the National League, they always suck. That is such a pile of BS, and it just makes me so angry that people sit here and go, oh, well, he'll probably suck because he's going to the Mariners. Shut up. Like, what are you talking about? They're not related. And by the way, if people's well, ownership and... This is a different ownership group. Yep. There's a new owner in town. So, well, look at what Bavese and, oh, I'm sorry, did the Mariners hire Bill Bavese or Jack Sorensic to be their general manager again? No, shut up. You have to give these guys an opportunity here. And for three years with almost no resources, Jerry DePoto had a competitive team. All right. Now the, fi- the Mariners finally get to a point 
where they can start selling some of these contracts. They can start rebuilding the way Jerry wants. And he's absolutely nailing it this offseason. He's nailing it. You can, for a team, he's, you, have to, you have to consider the Mariners. Prob, Jerry probably went to the Mariners and said, we need to hit the reset on this. We're not going to get there unless you want to give me another $80 million in payroll. Yeah. And so the Mariners say, okay, go do it, but keep us relevant. And we have to be able to compete in two years. Like, that's what Jerry's hamstrung with. And yet he goes out there and he absolutely nails it. Like, there is no doubt that the Mariners are in a better position for the next five years right now than they were two and a half months ago. It's, it's not debatable. It's not. And I was well, why sign, why sign Kikuchi? You could have kept Paxton and kept and gotten Kikuchi. You sure about that? Mm-hmm. Are you 100% sure about that? Yeah. Well, you could have kept Cano and signed. Are you sure? Are you sure? Because this team was already at the top of their budget for most of the last three years. They're going to be at a max at about 170. Yeah. And now Jerry has gotten, he, sure, honestly, the payroll will probably be roughly the same as it was last year. But mm-hmm. when you look at the contracts that are actually going to come off the books next year, or maybe even the middle of this year, if you can trade to Jay Bruce or something like that, next year you'll enter the offseason with potentially $50, $60, 70000000 million yep. to spend. Um, and that's all half. Jerry's done that in, what, 10 weeks? Yep. Like, I, I don't I, – I understand being frustrated, and it's the Mariners, and I understand being skeptical because it's the Mariners. But just flat out the ignorance of, oh, it won't work because it's the Mariners. Shut up. Your opinion means nothing. You have yeah. nothing valuable to bring to this conversation. Goodbye. Well, yeah. And and, and just adding to that, you know, um, it's not a matter of which team does it. And I, I know, I, I understand that notion that, well, nothing good ever happens for the Mariners. I, I get, I get where that where that comes from right sure but everyone is is bound to turn things around every team will turn things around you know whether the, you know at some point you know right now looking at the orioles the orioles are probably the worst team in baseball at some point in time the orioles will be a dominant force in major league baseball mm-hmm. same thing will happen for the mariners at some point in time the mariners will be a dominant force in baseball and that's what they're trying to build to now, to make that happen now. And it's very possible. You know, you look at you look at these, you know, these deals that they made and the players that they brought in, not just the prospects, but also the MLB ready talent. You know, you you look at these guys and you think, best case scenario, this is an incredible team. You know, you think about Jared Kelnick you know, for example, lives up to expectations and he becomes a six-win player, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Kyle Lewis becomes, you know, an, an amazing outfielder for you suddenly. You know, he, he... It's possible that everything could go right. You know, just as everything could go wrong, everything could go absolutely right. And suddenly the Mariners become a... Uh, a you know, a World Series contender year in and year out for throughout the 2020s. Um, you know, and and that and that all remains to be seen. You know, so I get the skepticism, 
But as a fan, I feel that you should meet every opportunity with optimism because it's, it's especially in this situation because they have a plan now. And the plan is we believe our guy, our young guys are going to mold into superstars that we can build around. And we're going to use this money that we freed up to build uh, a strong veteran presence around a young superstar core. Very similar to what the Cubs did, very similar to what the Astros did. Um, and I, I'm very excited about that. I am so hopeful that, like I said, Kelnick becomes, you know, the next big thing in baseball, you know, and Kyle Lewis is, is, you know, kind of like that George Springer type, right. Or something, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, just stick with me. I'm not comparing him to George Springer. I'm just saying he kind of fills that role. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe Mitch Hanniger sticks around and then they, they come in in 2020 or 2021 and they build around them with, you know, you know, how the Cubs, you know, brought in, Jason Hayward and Ben Zobris and the Astros brought in Brian McCann and, and Josh Reddick, et cetera, you know, and the Mariners bring in those kinds of guys. And, and that's, that's exciting to me. And I'm very hopeful for that to happen. And I, and if, and if that does happen and if everything goes well, these next few years are going to be very, very fun as a, as a Mariner fan. And, you know, uh, and that's, that's trying. That's the mindset that I'm trying to go into 20, 2019 with. Is that you know, yes, everything could go wrong, and this could be another twenty years waiting to make the playoffs or waiting to make a World Series, et cetera, whatever you you want to go about it. Or everything could just go right, and this is it. And, you know, and and our you know the the time has finally come to to experience a good a really good and a dominant Seattle Mariners baseball team. And so that's, and that's how I think everyone should look at it. It's just be, you know, uh, be wary of, you know, how it could go wrong, but also be hopeful and try to be as confident as possible in it because this is what's happening. This is what that, this isn't going to change. Yep. This is what's happening. And if it does go wrong, then Jerry DePoto will be fired. Scott Service will be fired. Everyone will be fired. Mm-hmm. You know, these these people have put their careers on the line with yeah. this. And, uh, you know, and, and if it doesn't work there, then maybe they bring in someone that can make it work. But I, I think I think the 20, like, in this next dec- decade coming up, things things will look different. For the Mariners, I don't. I I highly doubt that this, you know, life is basically the Cleveland Browns of baseball. I don't think that's going to continue for very much long. And I mean, even you know, if you want to talk about the Browns, look at the Browns. Browns are on the on the rise, you know, and maybe that's going to be the same thing for the Mariners. Yep, it's I guess it just it's baseball. Have fun. And by the way, you saying oh, I'm not going to go to a Mariners game where they trade player X, that's not going to stop them from trading the guy. Yeah. Sorry. You're, you're and not you're probably so still val- going to a Mariner game. Yeah, you're not so valuable to the organization as a fan, you as an individual, that they're doing, oh, well, Bob from Puyallup says that if we trade Mitch Hanniger, he's not going to come. Well, sorry, Atlanta. 
we can't accept your amazing <laughs> offer because we can't upset Bob. Like, <laughs> you know what? They're, they're going to say, screw Bob. Let's do this. Like, yeah. So whatever. Be as angry as you want. Vent all you want. Uh, but don't lie to yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, stop stop allowing yourself to think the worst is going to happen. And I understand it's hard. Like, I'm not going to say it's easy. Um, but allow for the possibility that something really good happens. And sometimes all that really needs to happen um, is you just need to cleanse yourself of some some of your past players. You need to embrace what can be a really fun turnaround and hope for the best. And like I said, if you're a sports fan in this town, you saw the Seattle Seahawks do the exact same thing. And I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but they're going to be playing on Saturday um, in Dallas. So things worked out pretty well there. And I understand that they're two completely different sports. Seattle has the built-in advantage of the quarterback being the most important position in all of sports, and they have a great one. There's not really a quarterback in baseball. But when you start looking at Mitch Haniger and Malik Smith and Marco Gonzalez and now Kikuchi, Domingo Santana, all these guys who are 26, 27, 28, entering their prime, they're in Seattle for the next three to four years. Um, it's really not that hard to envision uh, that they can they can make some noise. Uh, I think 2019 will be a year where we get excited about individuals versus the entire team. Uh, yeah. But I think. 20 i think as soon as a year from today we could be talking about the mariners legitimately being an 85 to 88 win team might challenge for a wild card and then two years from today they might be you know the favorites to win the american league west this thing can happen very quickly um and it really doesn't take that you know that big of an imagination to see how by 2021 the mariners are american league west champions yeah it's not that big of a stretch. So um, real fast before we wrap up, I realize I just realized we never talked about the, uh, the Kikuchi contract um, in terms of the structure. Uh, so I, I just want to hit on that real fast before we go. Um, basically it's a three year deal um, worth uh, $43 million uh, for in the first three years. Okay. So the first three years are going to play out fine, whatever. When you get to the uh, the end of the 2021 season, that's when the entry kind of starts. Um, so first and foremost, the Mariners have a four-year club option um, that is worth uh, a total of $61 million. Or, uh, 60, 66. Yeah, yeah, $66 million that they can exercise. All right. It's unusual. It's not a one-year option. It is a four-year option. <laughs> All right. And the Mariners have that at the end, have to make that decision at the end of 2021. If they decline that option, Kikuchi himself has a one year player option worth 12 million, I think. 13. Uh, 13 million that he can activate and choose to be on the Mariners for a fourth season, um, which would which bring he likely his run- would. Yeah. It, which would bring his total to $56 million um, on the four years. If I'm doing my math right. Yep. Um, if the Mariners decline the option, and if Kikuchi declines their option, he should become a free agent. Now, the reason I say should is there is still some discrepancy between whether or not he would be arbitration eligible or not. 
I don't think he would be because this is a major league contract um, that he signed as a free agent. So I don't think he's arbitration eligible, but I don't know for 100% sure he's not. Um, but basically what you need to know is that this is either going to be a three-year deal, a four-year deal, or a seven-year deal. Um, if everything maxes out for Kikuchi and the Mariners, this will be a seven-year, $109 million contract. Um, if everything goes absolutely wrong for Kikuchi, um, it's a four-year, $55, 56000000 million contract. Um, yeah. Yeah, which, by the way, if you've been following free agency, you know is an absolute steal. Um, yes. That, that's a bar. Jay Happ got, what, $18 million a year, $17 million a year? He's 37 years old. Uh, Corbin just got a six-year deal worth 140. Kikuchi is insanely similar to Corbin. Um, you got him for an extra year, $30 million less. He's also two years younger than Patrick Corbin. Um, and yeah, I just, it's, it's really, it's a great contract. It really is. Uh, yep. It's great for the Mariners. I think it's good for Kikuchi. Um, and, you know, you add that up and it's just, it's a really good, uh, really good signing. And, you know, it's nice when deals line up and uh, they work out nice for both parties because that's how it's supposed to. Do. That's how it's supposed to work, and uh, yeah. this one definitely did. So that's the contract situation uh, for the Mariners. Uh, the Mariners have the first uh, the first choice in the option. Uh, if that makes so, it's not like Kikuchi can decline his player option, and now the Mariners can't do anything. Uh, the Mariners have the right first refusal, basically. Yeah. So and that's the contract. Yeah. And yeah, and and that's the thing. Um, you look at the deal, and if they were to pick up the the team option, it, he would be making a sixteen and a half million AAV. Mm-hmm. And you know, if they're picking up that option, that means that Kikuchi has become one of the premier pitchers in baseball. And for sixteen and a half million, that's an absolute steal for that guy. So. Uh, love the deal, um, really do. Um, surprised that he's making, uh, you know, roughly thirteen million a year to start. But other than that, love it. I think it's great. I think it, it, I think it's an absolutely just perfect deal for the Mariners. Um, and then you know, just wanted to talk real quick about about Kikuchi and just uh, kind of the tool set that he brings. Um, He's he clearly has a lot of influence from um, major league pitchers, even though that he still, you know, he has that uh, prototypical, uh, you know, the the leg pump that most mm-hmm. Japanese pitchers or almost every Japanese pitcher uh, poses. He does it in a way that's very similar to Kershaw. Have you noticed? Mm-hmm. And yeah. his windup, he he lifts the glove, and and you see how he hides the ball um, behind his leg. It's almost it's only about a foot off of the ground. He really gets low there, and just whips that ball in there. And he tops out at at ninety eight, um, hangs around ninety four, ninety five. So it it kind of reminds me of James Paxson a little bit. The fastball and and today, you know they. Uh, during his press conference, and I love this. And and oh, and I just wanted to give props to Kikuchi. I not like he's listening or anything, but <laughs> his English was absolutely just uh, shocking. <laughs> his English was fantastic. 
for for someone coming overseas that you know really has has never uh been around that kind of culture that that's very impressive um but when uh when he was asked i believe it was greg johns that asked him um you know what uh you know what kind of tools does he uh does he lean on or or what's his what's the best part of his repertoire and he said fastball and slider and he, and he said it so confidently and i loved it and and he when you see him pitch that confidence shows uh especially in the fastball and the slider and it's it's a fantastic one-two punch that he has he also has a couple of of uh off-speed pitches that, that really work well um yeah I, i'm a big fan of kikuchi and, and what he brings um you know some some compare him to uh to pre-breakout uh patrick corbin and i also kind of like that uh because kikuchi still even with the seven years of uh experience in the uh mpb he's still raw at times and really has only uh you know put everything together over the last couple of years um but i'm i'm very excited to see how he uh adjust to to the MLB and uh, develops. I, I, I think there's ve- something very special here. Yep, I uh, I mean I have to agree. So uh, yeah, seems seems like a really uh, prepared uh, prepared young guy. He uh, you know, like I said to. I, I had heard that he had been working on his English for two or three years, um, specifically so that he can speak, um, so he could speak to reporters in this introductory press conference. Um, you know, before he ever knew if he was going to be posted or any of that stuff, he's he's been working on this and prepping for Major League Baseball for at least two years now. Um, and you know that level of detail that's uh, that really bodes well for. For a kid, he uh, he seems like a hard worker. Um, he's excited to be here, um, and you know it's 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 a really good day to be a Mariner and to be a Mariners fan. Um, yep. You know, could it fail? Yeah, I mean it. It's baseball. It's it's professional sports. Happens all the time. Um, yeah. But this is definitely a guy that I would want to bet on, and I'm glad that uh, Jerry Depoto and Mariners ownership decided to. Uh, to make that bet and uh you get to watch him for at least three three years and honestly probably seven so uh you know assuming there's no trade but we won't talk about that now so uh yeah it's a great day uh the mariners add yusei kikuchi to their starting rotation you'll probably see him in one of the games in japan um Mm -hmm. and then i'm i'm assuming he's probably going to be the number two starter um and then you'll probably see Felix on opening day <laughs> with Ichiro and right field. I cannot wait for that. So, uh, yeah, man. focus on the positives today. So, yep. we don't need to talk about old ass Ichiro trying to run down a fly ball that he has no business chasing. Anyways, <laughs> um, so I think that'll probably wrap that up. Um, you have any final thoughts, Ty? Uh, you know, um. We're Seattle sports fans, so you know we gotta we gotta talk about the Seahawks here uh, coming up and uh, day after tomorrow. It's uh, I, I you know I gotta I gotta give a lot of credit to that team. That's to to be in this position, uh, ten and six, competing um, 
uh, in the playoffs. That that's pretty incredible. I I don't have any expectations really for the playoffs. I I'm fine with whatever happens on Saturday, really, because I, considering how well they've done this year and with all the money that they have, and you know, obviously the draft coming up and everything, they uh, I I can't imagine them not being Super Bowl contenders next year, but. Yeah, this is a very exciting time to to be a to be a Seahawks fan, and I, I can't wait. And a uh, little bit of news here: I don't know if you saw while we were recording, but uh, Shaquille Griffin is not on the injury report, so he's going to play. So um, that's big news, and uh, which also means that uh, Kim King will be able to focus on the on the Cowboys' tight ends who have uh, kind of broken out over the last uh, few weeks. So, yeah, really excited about the game. Um, it's really excited about uh, that the Mariners have, or the Mariners, the the Seahawks have uh, this opportunity, um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see what they do, and if they keep on overachieving and and, and just punching their way up, great. Um, my prediction, as always, uh, you know, I've come to learn with with this team in the Russell Wilson era that they'll win the wild card game. And then they'll go to an NF- NFC South team, which in this case would be the the Saints. This year, they'll they'll be down by thirty at halftime. Russell will bring them back, and they'll lose by three. <laughs> so, uh, you know that's that happened in Carolina. That happened in Atlanta. It'll probably happen in in, in uh, New Orleans if if they're lucky enough to to beat the the Cowboys, which they should. The Cowboys aren't very good. I really don't believe the Cowboys are very good. They, they, their defense is solid. They're respectable. I think they have the best linebacking core in the league. But uh, I think the Seahawks should beat them. But but yeah, that's a that's my two cents on the on the game coming up. But uh, pretty exciting week for uh, for Seattle sports. Yeah, uh, I would. I think the Seahawks win this weekend. Uh, I think it's a really close game. Um, you know, it's. I, I, I don't know, like, if it's good Dak, then I think the Seahawks may have some issues just because, you know, the defense, uh, I don't know, it was really good last week against the Cardinals, but Josh Rosen is one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen. He is so terrible, and he is so soft, and I'm going to love watching him struggle for the next three years before the Cardinals realize what a mistake they made. Um but I don't, I don't know, man. It's it'll it'll be fun to see. I think you see two running teams, uh, powerful run teams. Um, you know, it's probably too easy. I'm sure most people are saying, you know, the team that runs runs for the most yards will win. Uh, I'm gonna go the opposite. I think the team that uh, team that throws for the most yards is gonna win this game because I think the running games are gonna be so similar that it's gonna come down to um, Russell Wilson versus the Dallas uh, defense, which is really good. And Dak Prescott, who's not very good, versus the Seahawks defense, which is also not great. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, if I, you're asking me, all things being I equal, think, you're asking me to choose between Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. It's not a really a question. So, yeah, um, I think you know, I think what it boils down to, and it's, this is what mostly every football game boils down to, is third down. You know, yeah. will the Seahawks? Can the Seahawks offense show up? Um, and a, and a lot of that has to do with you know the health of J.R. Sweezy and D.J. Fluker and but uh, 
you know, can they maintain drives? Can they stay on the field on third down? And can they get off the field on third down on defense? Um, that's going to be a big thing. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Cowboys offense is fairly vanilla in the yeah. way that they operate. So, you know, you don't see a whole lot of, uh, you know, motion, uh, and this and this defense, they they even though that they gave up thirty one points to the Chiefs, they weren't that bad in that game. Uh, I, mean, I really, yeah, eight and, of them, what seven of them come on that on the when they're down by ten or whatever. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I it, if Seattle's defense can force a fumble or two, they'll be fine. Because um, really, yeah. that if you think about it, that's what saves this saved the Seattle defense from being bad because they give up a lot of yards but man do they they punch the ball out a lot so uh, yeah i mean well and i think a very comparable game to this one is the carolina game that they won yeah. uh i think i think carolina is very similar to to that of uh to that of the cowboys and you and you look at that Car- carolina game christian mccaffrey was unstoppable and they still yeah. won even if ezekiel elliott is unstoppable i i still believe they can win you know they they played him well uh, back in week three, I, I really think it comes down to to what the Seahawks offense does. Um, if the Seahawks offense shows up like they they did against Kansas City, I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle wins by twenty. <laughs> like, um, but if if they struggle uh, to get going, um, like they tend to do, <laughs> uh, very true. Yeah, uh, then I think it'll be a close game. I just I can't imagine them them losing unless the offense just you know, blows it, um, which is very possible. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, I guess I just give Dallas more credit than you. Um, I don't think Dallas is a great team, and I think Seattle's probably a better team, but they are more than capable of winning this game. Um, fortunately, you know, it's uh, you're going to Dallas, which is really not a home field advantage. So, uh, yeah. you know, the offense should be able to operate, and Russell should be able to make his checks and all that. Um, yeah, you know, it'll be a fun game. It's really a uh, kind of a throwback. These are two teams that love to run the football. Uh, their defense, you know, the Cowboys' defense is really led by their uh, by their front seven, as is the Seahawks. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what goes down. But um, yeah, the Seahawks are getting a little bit of help. David Irving is not going to play in that game right, for the right. Cowboys, so right. that that and, does help. And Fluker and. Uh, Fluker and uh, Shaquille are, are uh, both going to play. So uh, yeah, and, and Sweezy game time decision. I don't know, I'd I be a, very shocked if he didn't play though. Yeah, I kind of have a feeling that he'll get some uh, magic shot or something, and all of a yeah. sudden he'll be able to lift up a refrigerator uh, for yeah. you know an hour, and then after that he won't be able to move. But uh, I think <laughs> I think he'll give it a shot. But let's let's be honest as we wrap up here, Ty. The real reason we want the Seahawks to win. Cable Thanos. We need those videos in our life. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, we, yeah, we gotta we gotta keep our uh, our uh, our boy Josh busy uh, with the videos. Uh, yeah, uh, Cable Thanos uh, has probably been the best part of the Seahawks season, and that's saying something considering how well they've uh, they've played. <laughs> right. uh, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, man, I I don't want that to end. So uh, even though I'm sure he'll have a great video planned if they uh, if they do lose, <laughs> I'm sure he'll have a you know quite an entertaining 2019 hype up video. 
yeah. but uh, I, I don't want to see it uh, this week. Uh, so um, uh, I, 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 wanna... I would just I want to see what he would do for a divisional round and what uh, an NFC championship and of course a Super Bowl. Um, obviously, that's a very optimistic thinking, but uh, yeah, I, I just I, I I love the Cable Thanos videos, and I uh, yeah I, I I don't want that to end. That's right. If you guys aren't following Cable Thanos on Twitter, you are uh, you are missing out on yeah. some amazing stuff. So uh, I still got to play him in Smash. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like you owe him a. I think you owe him a win, which he'll probably take anyways. Um, just for the hours of entertainment. So maybe you let him win one round and then, uh, and then you start to, you know, lose unintentionally, but still lose. Yeah. So, oh. I, <laughs> uh, hey, listen, listen, it's a battle between Mariners Twitter and Seahawks Twitter. I got to represent. Okay. <laughs> oh man. So we're basically, a lo- we're basically lost already, man. That's not, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, Cable Thanos. Uh, hopefully, maybe one day we'll make some Mariner videos. I don't even know if he's a Mariner fan, <laughs> but uh, you know, maybe one day. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I would pay several dollars to see a Mariner's uh, Cable Thanos video, and when yeah. I say several, I mean like three. Um, yeah. But hey, you know, <laughs> if you guys all want to pitch in, then yeah, maybe we can make it happen. So. Uh, anyways, yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up here. Um, you know, a good hour of Mariners talk and then a good, uh, I don't know, six and a half minutes of Seahawks talk and then another three minutes on a uh, Twitter account who does amazing videos. So, uh, yeah, so that's going to wrap up the podcast. Uh, since we're done with the holidays, guys, we'll probably be back on a much more, uh, normal schedule, which will be about, um, once a week, sometime in the middle of the week. Um, You know, if the, maybe the Mariners trade Encarnacion or Leak in the, you know, a couple days after we record, maybe we'll hop on and do a short episode or something like that. Um, but yeah, th- thanks for sticking with us, guys. We had a great year at the website, and that's all thanks to you. Uh, make sure you uh, continue to visit the website, sotomojo.com. Uh, find us on Twitter, at sotomojofs. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we're on Discord. And, uh, you know, maybe relatively soon will be a little bit more of a presence on youtube um so you know we're, we're still trying to grow the website over here uh, but it was it was a great year and it was been a great couple months thanks to you guys so uh thanks for listening thanks for viewing um and you know like i said you guys have questions hit us up on twitter is probably the best way to get a hold of us um i i personally don't check facebook all that much um so twitter is probably the best way to get a hold of us if you have any questions or comments or concerns, so uh, feel free to do that. Uh, but from all of us here at SotoMojo.com, I guess I'll just say, you know, you say Kikuchi is a Seattle Mariner. That's great. Uh, go Hawks, beat the Cowboys, and uh, thank you, Cable Thanos, for your amazing videos. Peace out. Peace. And this is where I put a trophy. If I had one. Sorry. What's the happy? But the happy's